Well, welcome everybody to the Social World Podcast. Today we're going to talk with David Jones, who's the National Chair of the Association of Independent Local Safeguarding Children Boards, and whose play, whose who's the association is, is the one that I belong to, chairing a couple of boards, but also is the membership board, if you like, for 140 plus boards up and down the country. And so is a very crucial and pivotal association when it comes to representation and a voice for the boards. Welcome, David. Hello, David. Thank you. You're very welcome. Now, uh, we're actually talking to you at a fairly crucial time, um, essentially because at the moment what we've got is we have a, a, a national uh, review of children's safeguarding boards that David Cameron stimulated very recently and who have a very, very short time span to report back. Alan Wood, the previous president of um, children, uh, directors of children's services, has actually been um, tasked with the job of doing the review and uh, meetings are beginning to be planned. Is that right? Yeah, that's how uh, I understand it, David. Yep. Mm. Now, the aim of this is to, I'm reading now here from it, but to undertake a fundamental review of the role and the function of local safeguarding children boards within the context of local strategic multi-agency working, including, and these are two areas that we definitely know are going to be under a spotlight, the child death review process and consideration of how the intended centralisation of serious case reviews will work effectively at local level. That's the aim as published of the review. Um, so, so far, we don't know a huge amount. I get that, David. But what's the association been hearing so far? And what are, what are your first thoughts about this? Well, we know that um, there have been discussions in a number of places um, in government. There's a, a secretary of state-led ministerial task force that was set up last June by the Prime Minister following the CSE summit, um, for example. So there are discussions in government, but there are also discussions um, going on in um, different areas uh, around ways of uh, coordinating safeguarding. Um, there have been some discussions in Birmingham and the West Midlands. Some of this is linked with the regionalisation and devolution debates that are going mm. on in England. Yeah. Um, so there are also discussions in Greater Manchester, um, no doubt in, in Merseyside to some extent. Um, and there are different discussions between big counties and their cities um, uh, around the, the, the resourcing of safeguarding in the, the very difficult climate that um, all agencies are finding themselves in. So there's been a lot of talk. Mm. And um, I, I think it's interesting that that there's now been a formal review launched it was announced on the 14th of december um we're now um, almost a month later of course we've had um christmas in between and um we were originally told that the first draft of the re process review um would be completed mid-february so that's in another month that's an incredibly tight timetable instant uh, so yeah, well, mm -hmm. so we'll see how that, that plays out. Government tends to make these yeah. announcements and uh, one gets used to them, them drifting and that isn't to be critical. 
um, obviously there's enthusiasm and then that has to be tempered by realism of, of what's involved. Mm-hmm. It, it is such an important review because um, it refers in the terms of reference to fundamental review. And in a way, this is almost the first time that, that everybody is being encouraged to unpack what the safeguarding system is all about. The first time since almost the 1980 guidance, and you could almost go back to the 1970 battered baby syndrome guidance, which is where all this string Mm. of guidance around child protection dates from. So this is a pivotal moment. Uh, It really is significant. And uh, I think that you you could say, has this been stimulated by concerns that the system isn't working, that there have been the concerns about child sexual exploitation, um, there have been a constant um, drip of serious case reviews. Um, it's often said that there all these serious case reviews, SCRs, um, have the same findings. They all focus on poor communication, for example. Um, and some people say, do people never learn? Um, but on the other hand, there's also evidence of, of learning going on. But particularly at the moment, we're seeing a very significant increase in the number of children who are being referred into the child protection system because of concerns about their welfare at home. Mm. So there's all of those pressures. But also, we've learnt a lot more about how the systems work. And um, there are um, 20 authorities that have so far, 20 boards which have so far been rated as good by Ofsted. Um, We haven't had any outstanding yet, um, which is disappointing. There's a huge amount of knowledge. And, you know, when you look at it internationally, David, the the knowledge about child protection and the multi-agency systems that are necessary to keep children safe is as well developed in this country as anywhere else. So Mm. there's a lot of knowledge to feed into the review, as well as these concerns about um, the the apparent problems that are so widely reported. Well, let's just take it bit by bit. I mean, I can't be totally impartial about this because I've got clear views about what I I think from my own experience uh, of chairing two um, safeguarding boards should be. But just to start with, the the, the areas that we think, you mentioned serious case reviews and you mentioned the fact that, and it looks very likely that the drive is to centralise them. In other words, to again find um, something within our practice that needs centralization and that will bring with it, I believe, challenges as well as possible improvements. Would you not agree with that? Well, we're assured that there is not a model in the drawer which has been Mm. pulled out for what this means. Um, so uh, every option is on the table and that could be anything from um, keeping the current arrangements but having more active scrutiny or perhaps the reviewers being appointed centrally through to a whole system um, like inspection which is um, indeed you could say even with Ofsted driving it or an inspectorate driving it um, of um, teams that or individuals that descend out of the ether to mm-hmm. um, review things and, and go away and write reports and so on. And there's, there's a wide range of opportunities. I think that, that um, we, we can approach this um, positively in the sense of um, that we know that um, serious case reviews are about learning 
Um, they obviously have a function of accountability, but their primary um, purpose is about learning. Um, and we know that we, as a whole system, that's the police, health, mm -hmm. social care, education, um, we need to demonstrate better that there is learning from serious case reviews. I think there is locally, but I don't think that we draw those lessons together nationally as strongly as we should. Um, so there's a lot of learning and lot of knowledge around about how this might work. And uh, we are looking forward to consultations with um, the department and uh, to some extent with Alan Wood um, about uh, how this might work. Although I understand the terms of reference say that he will not be um, focusing on the structures of decentralization, but he would be looking at the implications of that for local boards. The other thing then that uh, has been specific so far is the talk about the child death overview panels. Yeah. Um, now, what, what's your understanding, if you have any inclination at this stage, of, of what the aim is there? Well, I've, we've had less discussion um, about that um, uh, so far, but it is really important. Um, let's remember where it came from. Um, it arose from concerns, I think, in Bristol and in one or two other places where there had been a significant number of deaths of children in surgery um, uh, with similar conditions and nobody had been able to identify that pattern and therefore it was said that there needed to be some structure locally that looked at all deaths of children. These are not only child abuse deaths but they're all deaths of children um, and um, looked to see if there are any local patterns um, and uh, they've been going for a while. Most, most boards, areas uh, running CDOPS, um, child death overview panels, the numbers involved are really quite small in any one locality. So um, it, it's difficult to draw conclusions from statistical trends. Indeed, there's not enough numbers in many places to mm. enable you to do that. Mm. So it's important that we bring this to information together regionally and nationally. And that's only now just beginning to happen. Um, but there is a debate, I guess. Um, is our CDOPs in the right place? Um, are they located um, properly with um, uh, safeguarding boards, given that most of the, the child deaths that are looked at are about um, children with congenital disabilities that are born, um, born with those disabilities and die soon after? Um, there are a, a, a number, thankfully few, accidents. Um, road accidents and um, and of course there are the occasional suicides um, and these these sorts of things so it's important that that we pull that information together nationally um, where else might that sit well I guess it's possible that child development um, child um, death overview panels could sit within the health and well-being board structure rather than with um, the the safeguarding children boards um, but I think some of the CDOPs are just beginning to produce evidence and we're just beginning to, to the Department of Health has commissioned some research and some to, to advise on how we um, develop a national overview of, of child deaths. Um, and it would be a pity to probably to change that or move it in a way that lost that, that learning. But we have to see where the debate goes. Yes, I mean... The... People do forget the complexity of it sometimes. I mean, the, the issues where abuse is a factor is is not insignificant sometimes. Or the numbers are not insignificant. In fact, you know, you could argue, for example, that um, 
young people's suicide, which is, let's all by far and away, the greatest cause of death of young people in this country is suicide. Mm. Um, and in effect, I think it was something like 700 last year. Um, I mean, and, and that's something that we still have an awful lot of um, learning on how to um, put a better structure in place to support people who are going down that path. But the other side of it for me, and I wonder what your thoughts are about this, is in the name of the board itself, local safeguarding children boards, and the yep. idea that, that information and wisdom about localities lie in that locality. And the, the, the threats to that are not within the gift of necessarily of the agencies operating there. For example, we all know that with the huge public service cuts that have had to happen, relationships have been fractured between agencies because mm. posts don't exist anymore in many mm. cases. And people who normally spoke to other people um, about child abuse like are disappearing. And so it's strangers now who are trying to take up the reins if they have the time and the you know, the ability to do so. And so it, it, it's not just within the gift of the agencies themselves that, that uh, uh, to, to repair some of the kind of uh, communication problems. Would you agree with that? I, I think, you know, we, we know what makes for effective safeguarding systems. It, it's a constant sense of um, inquiry and um, inquisitiveness, if you like, about circumstances of um, children and families and um, when children present with difficult behavior change behavior um, change circumstances um, to think well, now why is it that that has happened um, so that's really important but the, as important as you were saying David is uh, the uh, trusting relationships between professionals um, that, so that people know that they can have an honest conversation that they can raise concerns um, test them out with people without feeling that that um, this is going to get out of control or that, that the information will be used in the wrong way um, and that you have some sense of predictability about what happens. Then people feel safe. We know that staff stay in localities and continue with child protection work when they feel well supported and safe in their work and that that happens when there are good supportive um, supervisory arrangements where there's um, where staff can raise concerns um, freely and where that can happen on a multi-agency basis and a lot of that as you say is being disrupted at the moment which is why it makes it such a dangerous time for safeguarding mm. and why it's such a dangerous time for children I think um, that the other thing was, don't, oh. don't provide safety people no. provide safety exactly. and we have yeah. to get the structures in place to help people to um, to do that I was going just to sort of broaden that a bit because I totally understand and agree what you're saying. Um, we all know that most child abuse takes place within the, the, the family home um, and it's parents and carers, unfortunately, who either deliberately or through um, lack of education or lack of information or lack of ability actually um, neglect children, whatever. But education is the crucial issue and the yep. safeguarding board's role in educating the community and informing the community and supporting the community and training the community is to my mind vital it, you know it, it it shouldn't and couldn't fall all on one agency to provide this and so the the idea of a coordinated shop window if you want to put it crudely 
I think is essential. Uh, and that's where I worry so much if um, centralization takes place and it all becomes amorphous, like, you know, like, uh, you know, and, and away from a place and a, and a locality that people understand. Yes. Um, and uh, uh, the, the challenge uh, in that it relates to what we were just discussing, um, mm. um, how, how you can um, sustain that sense of locality when there are so many changes going on. And as far as schools are concerned, I think all safeguarding boards are struggling to, to form relationships um, with schools in the new, much more diffuse um, mm. and fragmented structure um, one might uh, more positively say devolved or um, structure but um, whereas um, 10 15 years ago the local authority was able to um, coordinate um, schools and um, at least in theory bring some sort of consistency to how schools would respond to child protection um, this is now much more individualistic um, much more depends on um, the local school and of course teachers are saying that they are now finding that they're having to provide far more support for children who they see as vulnerable um, that as early health services are being closed down children's centers um, in, in many places the the early help the early support mm. um, to, to um, families is um, is evaporating um, although health visitors are still there and they provide an important function, but we're seeing all sorts of things happening and I think that can only accelerate. Um, how do we provide um, that support? And it's going to fall to schools and schools are very ambivalent about that. Some are, are very committed. We know that there are teachers who use their own money to, to provide food for children, clothing for some of them. Um, and uh, they're very worried. Others um, say that that's not the school's function, that the school's job is to get kids to pass examinations and to um, develop mm. their learning, <clears throat> and um, others should be there to provide the social support. But the reality is in the next um, 10 years, um, there, won't, there, will, there will be limited other people to provide that support. So engaging schools in new ways to understand this agenda is, I think, one of the biggest challenges for safeguarding boards. And that applies whether it's local or regional or national. Totally, um, totally. Um, and uh, um, in, in the end, that again comes back to relationships and they have to be local. But it's perhaps worth thinking, you know, what, what are some of the concerns uh, uh, and what are some of the changes for boards, David? And uh, I think... If we look back to the 1980 guidance and then working together, which flowed from that, um, interestingly, I was involved through uh, the British Association of Social Workers in work on the 1980 guidance. Baswell published the Central Child Abuse oh, yeah. Register, in which I, a working group I chaired in 1978. And that led into the first term guidance um, uh, called the Central Child Abuse Register, issued by Department of Health and Social Security in 1980. But um, the first um, uh, focus was on coordination, bringing people together, getting agreed ways between the different agencies, police, social services, as it then was, um, education, um, to, um, to approach investigations and, and manage cases and to provide training to, to stimulate that multi-professional partnership. 
Um, and then then the serious case review uh, function was added a bit later on. And always in there, but rarely significant, was monitoring the effectiveness of what was happening. But in the last five years or possibly the last 10 years, that function of monitoring the effectiveness has become the most important reason um, function for safeguarding boards. Mm. Um, and it begs all sorts of questions because um, the literature about how you monitor multi-agency um, working and effectiveness is very limited. Um, we're all of us um, having to create ways of, of doing that monitoring, which, of course, is all like inspection is a mixture of using data, using qualitative indicators like case audits, um, like serious case reviews, um, like interviews with staff and, and so forth, um, and putting that, that together. And we know that boards are very variable and that agencies are very variable in how able they are to evaluate how effective their safeguarding um, function is. So one of the debates is, um, in, in this review, it's still important to have procedures, it's still important to have training, but it's equally important to have evaluation and effectiveness. And who's best placed to do that evaluation, um, especially when you have small LSCBs with small unitary authorities, do they have the resources, the capacity, the analytical capability to do that evaluation? Um, or should that be done um, at a, another level? And that brings us right back to something that you said earlier on, that these systems work effectively when they are close to the, the practice, when mm. they can see the reality of what teachers, social workers, police officers, health visitors, midwives are doing. Um, but um, So you can't be too far away, but you have to be sufficiently distant to enable you to have some objectivity about what's going on. No, I totally and understand. how do we strike that balance is one of the, the big yeah. challenges for this review, I think. I totally understand the, the, the value of um, having a, a robust quality assurance function within the board because um, it, it also leads on to evidencing challenge to the different agencies, which is yep. part of the board function. Um, and I think and, uh, uh, it, it cannot be um, in any way diluted, that function, because that, to my view, is the core of the board. It's support, it's education, it's training, but it's also challenge. Yeah. And that challenge has to be not only evidenced, but it also has to be understood about how it is... Um, how, what, how you would ratchet it up. And, that, and, and, and there's no sanctions that the boards have, but they do have quite a bit of influence and quite and, a, a bit of opportunity to actually pull together the, um, if you like, the partnership side of things, which is the chair's role as I see it. Is, is that fair? Yeah, and they, they do have um, a fairly new power <laughs> to require people to provide information, mm. but they don't have any sanctions if people don't. But... Mm. Um, uh, and, and and that's one of the the things that people are discussing. See, there, there's people sometimes think when I say people, I suppose I mean politicians, sometimes civil servants, sometimes the public thinks that the safeguarding board is an independent structure. But actually it isn't. And it wasn't set up to be an independent structure. It is the partners in a local area coming together to ensure that they coordinate and cooperate effectively. Um, and they have a statutory duty to do that. 
and to challenge each other about the effectiveness of services. But we know that in some places that works very well. And in some places, the challenge has not happened at all. And so the question is, um, for this review, how can we make sure that challenge does happen? And how can we identify more quickly when problems are emerging, when problems are, mm. um, are there, um, when children are not being listened to properly, um, when um, staff are silenced, when they have concerns about the quality of practice? Um, all of these things we have seen in individual um, case examples over recent months. Um, how can we make sure that, that, that there's a quicker response when those problems are developing? And um, what powers are necessary for that? And can that be delivered through a strengthened LSCB? And what about the role of the chair in that? Or should it be in some other structure? And there are various things people talk about, but health and well-being boards, they're equally local. Mm. Um, there's um, the police and crime commissioners structure, which is um, a bit more removed, um, but clearly linked closely into the criminal justice system. And a lot of child protection is not about criminal justice, but of course that is an important element within it. Um, so is there... Um, some other structure or as as is being explored in Birmingham and West Midlands um, should a, a consortium of local authorities set up an independent arm's length body to provide that challenge mm. across a number of authorities but how does that work and what resource does it require and um, have people got the money to invest in that when at the moment we're seeing frontline services being really precisely. under pressure precisely so there are no yeah. simple answers now, David, so many questions, but the important thing now, because we're going to have to pull, pull this to an end at the moment, but the important thing now is that you've very, very articulately laid the landscape. And I think for this review and for the issues behind it, and what I'd like to invite you to do is to come back on the programme in a few weeks' time, if you would, and actually kind of... Um, Let's see what's happening then. Let's see when, when more things are on the table, when more kind of more of the issues have been actually discussed further. Would you be prepared to do that? Yeah, I, I think it's really important. Um, this, this is too important for the children of this country because in the end, it isn't just about the few children who are abused, but it's about the sort of society we want to create and the sort of support systems we want to create for children and for their parents. And so um, I hope that this will stimulate a wide discussion. Mm. Well, the um, 55,000 children who each day are subject of child protection plans, and that's only the ones that have been identified, rely yep. so heavily on an efficient and an effective multi-agency cooperative system yep. that whatever has come out comes out of this review has to be robust and has to be effective. I mean, we know that from both of us having years and years and years involved in the system and, you know, having seen all the things we've seen. And having seen that compared internationally, we actually do reasonably well on those fronts, but that's not to be complacent. But perhaps I could just finish with this message, mm. um, David, that these are uncertain times and we know that uncertainty creates risk for children. So it is really important, a really important message to safeguarding boards and those people who work with them that we have to sustain the current systems, the current arrangements and be fully committed to making those work. 
until um, we know what, um, how they're going to change, if indeed they will change. Um, and it's in children's interest that we don't uh, take our, our eye off the importance of multi-agency cooperation and working effectively together to protect children, because that's, of course, what all of us want to see, uh, children look happy and thriving. Pleasure talking to you, David. Thanks ever so much, and speak to you again very soon. Thanks for asking. Thank you.